In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Across the Walt Disney Company's nearly 100-year-long history, we have heard many hundreds, even thousands of songs across the animated slate of films. However, do we think about the live-action films and their roles in contributing really awesome tunes? Not so much. So on this two-part episode of Notably Disney, I am bringing on historian and author Jim Fanning. You will remember him from our conversations about forgotten Disney songs to talk about live-action Disney songs, our favorites. And this was no easy task by any means. Hence, uh, we ended up having uh, about a two-and-a-half-hour-long conversation about such tunes, selecting 10 of them each. And in this first part, you will hear uh, five of them from each of us and uh, some honorable mentions as well. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation about favorite live-action Disney songs. Disney author and historian Jim Fanning joined me a couple of years ago on Notably Disney to discuss underrated Disney songs, basically forgotten Disney songs that individuals just maybe uh, did not recall. Um, And it was a great conversation. Um, Jim also competed on the Tunes and Quotes trivia. Um, And now he's back to Notably Disney as we share our picks on a fun-filled topic, which is favorite live-action Disney songs. So those tunes that you can find in Disney live-action films. And it's my pleasure to bring back to the podcast, Jim Fanning. Hey, Jim. Hey, Brett. How are you doing today? I'm excited to talk about this with you. I imagine we're going to have a really incredible list of tunes that are perhaps familiar and maybe forgotten as well. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's quite a bit of overlap, I think, especially for you and me um, in terms of favorites. And we I think we toward to gra- we tend to gravitate toward the more obscure anyhow. So 
it should be, I'm, I can't wait to hear what your list is. So it'll be very fascinating. I am too. And I should add, I'm not sure how obscure some of these songs are. I remember when we did the forgotten songs, I was, I was amazed to learn about quack, 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 Donald Duck. So I, I can't say I have anything as unique as that, but uh, we'll, we'll see what's in store. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. Well, let's just uh, familiarize listeners with um, how we're developing our conversation. So um, our list, uh, I shared with you in advance some basic criteria um, that I thought would be helpful in guiding how we selected our picks. Um, Neither of us shared our selections with one another before today, so there'll be some discovery. Um, So to try to establish some boundaries here, um, we're limiting our picks to Disney-branded films, Um, So that uh, means that we're not including any from the Touchstone Library, um, because obviously there would be some great ones in in the mix there. Um, Theatrical film releases, um, so those that debuted in theaters. Um, So if, for instance, one of the Air Bud sequels had a song in it, that would not be eligible. Um, And I would not know, but that would not be in the mix. Um, (laughs) One kind of tricky element to this. And I thought this would be just from the minds, kind of from the standpoint of making sure it was not basically our favorite Mary Poppins songs. Um, I said, let's just make sure we only pick one song per film because needless to say, a film like Mary Poppins that probably could populate a whole list. Um, live action animated hybrids are a-okay, recognizing that Mary Poppins, for instance, would figure in that category. Um, also too, um, there are some unique Disney live action films that that kind of uh, may not necessarily be eligible. So a good instance of, of this would be Into the Woods, right? A very popular Stephen Sondheim musical, but there were not any original songs in the Disney film version, even though there were, were intentions to, but that did not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I also excluded a film like The Muppet Movie, which is great um, and obviously a classic but it was not originally branded as a Disney film, even though it's part of the Disney library. And I'm willing to uh, hear additional thoughts on on that or others that may be uh, exceptions to the rule, but uh, kind of some interesting considerations for us to think about. Um, But I'm wondering before we get right into it, Jim, you know, you are obviously extremely well-versed with with so much of the Disney history, um, whether it be film and music and merchandise and everything in between. When you think of Disney's catalog of songs, how do you feel tunes from live action films fit into the landscape? Because there's often a great emphasis on animated films and animated songs and mainstream culture. So where do you think live action music uh, or songs from live action films, I should say, fit into the mix? Well, I think anyone that overlooks the live action films is overlooking a great deal because obviously there are so many more live action films than there are animated ones. And during the Walt era, anyhow, there were usually songs in the live action films. I think in recent times, there are more live action films with less songs, I think. But if we look at the classic you know, the classic era, the golden era of Walt's time, which is what I gravitate toward. Um, it's it, overlooking them is to overlook a great many wonderful songs. 
For sure. Well, and it was so it was so common, particularly in the '60s, with all of those, you know, Disney live action musicals. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if those made uh, a few appearances um, on here. I appreciate that perspective because it really uh, is a trend that we it is you know, much more unusual to find a live action Disney musical these days, unless it's connected to a brand, right? Like Mary Poppins Returns was perhaps a more recent example of that, um, but not so much with the random, you know, live action movie that just happens to feature a song in it. Um, that's not as common. Yeah, for sure. And the remakes of, uh, you know, animated films like Cinderella or The Lion King. Of course, those aren't original songs. They're just picking them up from the from the original. So, well, if indeed those are live action, because really, like, say, The Lion King is not. It's not live action. Um, if there are songs, it's because they're they're from the original. So it's very very interesting era. <laughs> yeah but i'll be fascinated to hear what your selects are yeah no and i think that's a really important consideration too right you know the the newer adaptation of the lion king um boy uh that could be a whole conversation but we're not here to talk about lion king 2019 um i think those were, those were some really important perspectives and before we get into the full mix of our our list Let's talk about some honorable mentions. Are there any pieces on your end that you feel are great but just didn't quite make your top 10? Well, as I was going through my list uh, and kind of trying to narrow it down, I think that my honorable, my honorable mentions will come up as I'm talking about the songs I actually did pick. At least that's my assumption. We'll see. But... Um, one honorable mention that could have definitely made my list but didn't is With a Flare from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And it just has its own interesting history because depending on how you look at it, it's not even in the film. So, <laughs> but I, I really think that that one is one of the Sherman Brothers' best. It has so, it's so dense in its lyrics and its sort of concept and idea and character and personality, all the things that they always tried to uh, emphasize as they were composing their songs. So that's an honor, that's an honorable mention for me. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. I can say I'm I'm very familiar with that tune. So I think after our conversation today, I might I need to uh, check it out. And that obviously for me would be under a forgotten song, I suppose. So there you go. Yeah, forgotten or never known in the first place. <laughs> but uh, since you said that, Brad, I'll just say for the listeners who may be saying the same thing as you, it was filmed and recorded and then cut before the premiere so it does and then with the restoration for the for the, i guess it was the 25th they did put it back in so it does exist it's on the dvd integrated back into the film but it's also on the blu-ray as a bonus feature so it's easy to 
find and listen to. And then, of course, it's on the soundtrack album, Always Has Been. So if you have it either from 1971 or a CD release or off of Apple Music, <laughs> it's there. So that's for you and for anybody else that might be saying, what the heck is that? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's helpful to know, you know, and Bed Knobs and Broomsticks is such a unique example, much like maybe The Happiest Millionaire, of there being different cuts of the film. So consequently, it just depends on how you saw it and when. So I appreciate that. Um, I'll mention a few quick picks and uh, forgive me for not including this on the top 10, but it was um, worth noting is I also have something from Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, which is The Age of Not Believing perhaps the one of the more famous songs from the film um very short um it's maybe just under a minute and a half it's really brief it actually attained an oscar nomination and i'd be curious in terms of like the history of the academy awards and, and the length of tunes because this is pretty brief but um as folks who are familiar with the film or have listened to it know it is sung by angela lansbury um, who focuses on the notion of growing up. And, um, you know, it's just a, a beautiful little piece that she's singing um, as the, the kids climb into bed and um, has lovely lyrics like, when you set aside your childhood heroes and your dreams are lost up on a shelf. Um, it's just a beautiful piece of music, um, albeit, as I said, short, but I imagine that when folks think of bed knobs and broomsticks, this moment, this song often surfaces in their minds and probably for good reason it's a great one another sentimental pick um, in terms of just the um, sweetness behind it comes from 1996's james and the giant peach which was an animation live action hybrid um, actually stop motion um, animation so the same folks that created nightmare before christmas and um, one of the songs i love from that is it's rather uneventful. It's kind of in the same vein of Age of Not Believing in terms of just, um, just very sweet and simple. It's called My Name is James, um, which is, okay, this is by Randy Newman, by the way, in case listeners aren't familiar. Um, it's very innocent, very moving. It focuses on lead character who longs to um, go to New York, which is the kind of the sentiment in the film. Um, this is actually set during uh, one of the live action scenes. Um, I think it may be the only song in, in a live action scene in the film because the rest are um, with all the insect characters. Um, but it's somber, it's very on the nose um, in terms of James sings lyrics like, uh, my name is James, that's what mother called me. It's, not, I mean, Randy Newman, it wasn't maybe his finest moment in terms of lyrics, but it's still so sweet because it's coming from the, you know, a young boy. And, and it's Paul Terry, who was this young actor at the time, who just sings this very beautifully and innocently. And it just has some lovely uh, piano work, um, gentle. It's just a lovely piece, even though there's nothing terribly remarkable about it. It's still a a dear favorite of mine because of, of, you know, that notion of longing for, for something better. So. Wow. That is a great honor. If that's your honorable mention, if these are your honorable mentions, I don't know what your picks are going to be on your actual list because <laughs> they're very strong. Now in terms of my name is James, 
of course, I've had, always had an affinity for it because my name is James. <laughs> <laughs> is that what mother called you? <laughs> yeah. But also my name is Shane because on your very show, we had the musical trivia contest and my team was obviously myself and James Mason. And both of us got that song wrong. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yes. So I have, of course, anybody can hear our terrible shame or just our <laughs> our horrible moments of defeat. But I have told that story to so many people. It's like, how could we possibly miss that? The two of us. Of oh, all I people. I completely forgot about that. That was, yeah, that was a little bit embarrassing, but nonetheless, you know, there's, I mean, it was, it's not the most familiar song, Jim. So, uh, but it's a great piece. So I, I hope now it has maybe some time elapsing has helped. <laughs> it has healed the wound. I, I do, I've always loved the, That's the thing. It's not like I didn't know about it and didn't already love it, but I guess it's a little bit outside you know, your frame of reference, if you're just thinking about Disney films, the film itself is not the first thing that comes to your mind. So maybe that was part of it. But anyhow, I just, I just think that's hysterically funny. Yeah, it's also funny. I, I, I completely forgot about that. Um, but I'll share one more honorable mention. And I think this one is very apropos for many of us over the past few years. And it comes from Muppet Treasure Island. And the song is Cabin Fever, which I think probably gained new popularity in light of what many of us have faced in, in staying at home. Um, but it's a huge production number where the pirates are absolutely restless. They uh, engage in uh, a variety of interesting dances. There's a Latin flavor to it. Um, tons of distinct Muppets that I don't think you'd ever see in any other Muppet project. There's a weird country section where like there's a Muppet playing a fiddle. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's really weird. Um, there's a Muppet that says, I'd like to get my hands on whoever wrote this script, which is totally that Muppet style breaking the fourth wall. Um, there's a, another great line, we got cabin fever, we're flipping our bandanas, been stuck at sea so long, we have simply gone bananas. <laughs> and in that same scene, the, 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 the bandanas that the characters are wearing, they actually start moving on their own, which is just a cute uh, element to it. So it's, it's just a fun, flavorful, totally unnecessary in a sense, song. I mean, it certainly fits within the context of the film, but just if you heard it randomly, you'd be thinking, what the heck is this? But it's it's great um, in its own odd way, but that's very suitable given the Muppets. I love it. That is such a great choice and a great song. And that's really one of the post-Jim Henson productions that really just was is very much in the tradition of what had come before. So that song is fits right in. There you go. Well, let's move on with our actual list. Um, and how about you start us off, Jim? Again, our listeners, we are not ranking these. Um, we have not shared these in advance with one another. So um, if, for instance, uh, Jim mentioned something that is on my list, I'll drop in my thoughts and, and vice versa. So I'm very excited to hear them. Let's, let's go for it. <laughs> 
Well, I know the, I know um, on a previous appearance on your show, when we did the Forgotten Songs, I mentioned the film Perry about the little squirrel. And of course, mm -hmm. you tossed in the trivia that that um, Perry, what, what is, what's the actress's name? Perry Gilpin? Yeah, from Frasier. She played Roz. Yeah, she and she's wonderful. And I love Frasier. Huge, huge fan of that show. I didn't know that she had been named after Perry the Squirrel from the Disney film. So thank you again for that wonderful bit of delightful trivia. But the film itself is so unique. And the fact it's a true life fantasy, not a true life adventure. So I think the true life adventures had very strong music always, but they didn't really tend to have songs. So perhaps because Perry is a true guy fantasy, it lent itself more to having actual songs. I do think the songs are extremely well done. And my favorite, I, I would have to say, is Break of Day. I believe that's the name of it. I didn't even look it up. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I just looked it up myself. Okay, thank you. And it's by Winston Hibbler. He did the lyrics and George Bruns. Of course, he was the famous... Disney composer of the time. Um, I should parenthetically say that my list leans extremely heavily toward the Walt era. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less, Jim. <laughs> and how you know how can you leave some of the songs that that are you could consider out? It's just it's just an impossible task. So. It, it's a fun, it's a fun narrowing down, but it's, that's why you had your honorable mentions, because it's just hard to leave anything out. But at any rate, I do love Break of Day, and it does make me think of Winston Hibbler, who started at Disney in animation as a story, art, a story artist, and then went into the, the nature films. And Walt Disney himself said that what Winston Hitler brought to the Disney studio was poetry or a poetic sense. So, for example, on Johnny Appleseed, what Hib, as they called him, brought to that production was a higher sense of storytelling in an emotional sense, I guess you could say. And Walt. Uh, who was noted for crying when he was moved. He was very moved by the rhetoric, might you say, of Johnny Appleseed that Hib provided. So he, he would cry when he heard the narration of Johnny Appleseed. And that was all due to Winston Hibbler. So he brought the same thing to the True Life Adventures because he always worked on the narration as well as speaking it. And then Perry, the same thing. So Break of Day is a song that really illustrates that. And Perry begins with the biblical or scriptural quote, um, for everything there is a season. Um, and this song reflects kind of a, almost a scriptural quality. So this is, Winston Hibbler is not credited with a lot of songs, but he's credited on this one. And I think it reflects what Walt was talking about. 
he brought something very unique and something that Walt was always striving for because he was always trying to move beyond just the, the funny gags and his story art, he would chide his story artists and say, not one of you could write a lullaby, not one of you could, you know, he was wanted to elevate. And Winston Hitler did that. So Break of Day from Perry is one of my favorites for that reason. I, I love the context. I, I can't say I've seen the short. Uh, do you happen to know if it's on Disney Plus? Perry, yes. Hmm. Yes, it's actually a feature. So okay. it's, and it, and it is indeed on Disney Plus, which is a really good point. So people don't have to look too far or dig too deep to see it. Of course I'm muted. No, that's that's definitely encouraging to hear. Yeah, I, I, I can't say I've heard of the song before, but I, I guess now it's a greater incentive for me to check it out. And what an interesting distinction too, that you said it was a true life fantasy, not a true life adventure. Yes, the one and only true life fantasy. I'm not really sure why they didn't do more, but it was an attempt. It, it was an opportunity, rather, for the nature filmmakers to tell a scripted story as opposed to the other way around. The documentary filmmakers would film whatever they came across, and then the Disney filmmakers would, or the Disney story artists, I guess you could say, in close conjunction with Walt would form it into a story but this in this case the story existed first and then they had to film it with real animals and it has fantasy elements like there's a dream sequence which is really wonderful and incorporates some animation the later fiction later Disney went into entirely fictional animal stories but at any rate, it's very unique, and it's based on a book by Felix Sultan, who, of course, wrote Bambi. So it was Disney returning to the world of Bambi, really. Yeah, no, I, I think that's all really fascinating. And I know with Perry, much like a lot of the other films of the era, they were composed by Paul Smith, who is a perfect segue to my pick, which is a whale of a tale from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, so that was written by Al Hoffman and Norman Gimbel. Um, so, I mean, 20,000 Leagues, I think, is often a movie that surfaces, no pun intended, in people's minds when they think of Disney live action because of its significance, its scale, um, you know, the wonderful performance by Kirk Douglas. But the song is kind of a, a treat and unique within the context of the film because it's not a musical per se in terms of its overall structure but it's a sea shanty um with kirk douglas as land and he's very energetic he loved playing the guitar i mean you can just feel how palpable his joy is when you watch the scene and when you hear in his voice um and it's you know there's nothing um you know if you heard it you can definitely characterize it as a sea shanty um it has a simple ditty that has a very catchy beat to it. Um, I would argue that all these years later, there are some lyrics that probably wouldn't uh, win people over. Um, there's some references to, to womanizing that are a little bit uh, outdated, but um, it's just, a, it's an exceptionally great song. It's one that I can hum 
two very easily, and I imagine a lot of others as well. Interestingly, there are some variations to the song, and, and folks may know that the soundtrack version has a, an additional verse that references Harpoon Hannah. Um, so that's a, and there's a lot of fun alliteration um, in, in this too. Um, but what I love in terms of how an older song like this materializes in more modern Disney Pixar context is in Finding Nemo, the moonfish actually sing a little snippet of Whale of a Tale. Um, and they, that's when they turn into a ship and there's one that jumps overboard and it's very cute, but um, it's just, a, it's a classic and I, I love it. It's one that I do return to pretty often. That is a great choice. And I can say that because it's one of my choices too. So we have our first crossover. <laughs> Ta-da. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree with, you said everything so well. Um, you, it, this is one thing I didn't think of. You mentioned it's a, it's, a, it's a sea shanty and sea shanties for whatever reason became really popular again. Uh, uh, quite recently, I guess during the pandemic, people started singing them on TikTok and other social media platforms. So it fits right in with that. Um, and I just love Disney versions of, of um, genres, existing genres, because it's always Disney's unique take on it. And this is a great example. Um, the one reason I picked it, aside from it being a great song, is that it shows that, that Walt strongly felt that every production needed a song. So if you think about it, why would this very dramatic, powerful epic necessarily have a song? <laughs> it does have a very strong musical score, as you mentioned, by Paul Smith. But would you necessarily put a song in? Well, Walt did. <laughs> and it establishes so much of, of Ned Land's character. The song helps the characters bond. Uh, Kirk Douglas to Paul Lucas and Peter Laurie, all their characters, because they're so obviously enjoying his performance. They don't know him. He's just a harpoonist on the ship. They don't know who he is or, and he doesn't know who they are, but they really enjoy his performance. And then little do they know how they will be thrown together in this incredible adventure. So what a delightful Disney touch to have a song. Uh, so that's one reason I, aside from the greatness of the song itself. And you mentioned the lyrics. And yeah, I think we, I think especially in today's world, we would not be very comfortable with some of those ideas. However, it's authentic in that sailors would sing about that and much worse in reality. And, you know, that's, that's just who they were. Doesn't mean they were going to behave in those in those ways necessarily we hope not <laughs> but they had a sense of fun and i think that's the sense you have to take it in um and and regardless it's it's authentic but in a disney way it gives the sense it emphasizes more the fun of it than than oh my gosh you know isn't this terrible <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a lovely ditty. I I'm really curious to see. So Disney Plus is developing a new series based on Twenty Thousand Weeks called Nautilus, and it's going to be a ten episode, ten part series. Obviously, the odds of Will Vitale making a cameo are, you know, it's a question mark. Maybe there'll <laughs> be like a little instrumental element of it that manifests somewhere. But um, it's nice to see that you know, when Disney has this trend to kind of go back to its library for reinventing for new productions or versions, that 20,000 Leagues is going to be one of those titles that, you know, uh, resurfaces um, in a new way through um, through that series. So, well, the tell's great. Um, Fascinating. Yeah. But so all, since you mentioned that was on your list, I'll just uh, go back and, and share my next pick. Um, and then we'll go back to you. I'll be interested if this is on your list. It, afraid that this this song was very overlooked uh, from the standpoint of awards, and that is "Speechless" from Aladdin. Um, which, when I'm saying Aladdin, of course, I'm referring to the 2019 film. Um, so this is the music is by Al Menken, the lyrics by uh, Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. Um, this was an original song for the project. Um, for this new adaptation of Aladdin, and it couldn't come at a better time in the wake of the Me Too movement, um, really emphasizing Jasmine as a as more of a title character in the film as opposed to someone more peripheral to Aladdin. This is a powerful ballad that elevates the humanity already associated with this character, and certainly for all women in terms of trying to have more of a voice in situations where they are often silenced. So it's extremely on the nose but in the in the best possible way um within the film it's actually featured um in two parts there's i remember in the first part of the film it's just over a minute and then the second part is the fuller version and i remember what i saw in the theaters and and i had heard oh jasmine's going to get this new great number and the first part is like a minute and i'm thinking that's it i mean it's great but it, it just felt incomplete and then ultimately um it it reappears later in the film when, um, you know, she's trying to seize authority. She's seeing that, you know, the Jafar is taking uh, the Sultan role away from her father. Um, I feel like this is one of the most salient examples of not only a, a, just a fantastic, strong um, song um, in a, a Disney film and certainly for, for women, but it's also a very notable example of being omitted by the Academy Awards. It was not nominated for an Oscar, which I think is a complete travesty. Um, there's some great piano work in it. Naomi Scott, who plays Jasmine, totally commits to the anguish that Jasmine experiences. You can hear it in her voice, just the, the, the power and the energy. Um, there's some CGI in it, which um, you know you can take it or leave it, but I, I don't feel like it it diminishes what I feel is an exhilarating immense song. There's it sounds like there's a full orchestra. Um, best line in it I feel like is I won't I won't be silenced. You can't keep me quiet. Won't tremble when you try it. All I know is I won't go speechless. So absolutely adore the song, and it just really bothers me that it didn't become the type of let it go. Um, number that I feel like it could have, but, but because there was some, um, you know, mixed feelings about Aladdin, um, ultimately this was swept under <laughs> swept under the rug, the magic carpet, um, in a sense. So, 
I don't know, Jim, do you have any thoughts on Speechless? Well, again, I just love that you chose it. I love everything you said about it. Jasmine is such a great character. She wasn't the original as well. So it is wonderful to see her actually getting her own song. And um, it proves it proves me wrong in my vast generalization that I made at the beginning of our talk, <laughs> where I said, well, the, the remakes don't have original songs. Well, this, <laughs> this is an example of one that does. And obviously they, you know, they knocked it out of the park. Um, so I, I just think it's a very impressive choice. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see it, you know, even an instrumental version of it played in, in the parks or other settings. Cause that's sometimes how, you know, songs from different eras of Disney history reappear. It's like the background music on the resort TV or like, or instrumental loops outside the plaza of, of any of the parks. Like it's interesting at times how they reappear, even if they're not as much mainstream as a, a Be Our Guest, which you could also hear um, endlessly throughout the, the parks. But um, yeah, Speechless is just amazing. So great, great choice. What's next on your list? Well, since, you're, since you went with an Alan Menken song, I will do the same. And this is one of sort of the anomalies for me. It's from Newsies. Because, so obviously, oh, yeah. past the Walt era. <laughs> but one thing that's just really cool about Newsies is that it comes in the era of the Alan Menken animated mo movies. So it's surrounded by Pocahontas, Aladdin, Hercules. And how cool that Disney decided to do a live action film with Alan Menken songs as well. And, and um, they may have regretted it at the time because it was very expensive and it was a tremendous flop <laughs> financially. But it's so cool that they did it because certainly who was doing live action musicals at that time? So how bold and how great that they did it. And there are, there are more famous songs from Newsies than the one I chose, but I chose Santa Fe. The music, of course, is by Alan Menken and the lyrics are by, by Jack Feldman. And it's this story, or it's this song, rather, a longing that Alan Menken and Howard... Oh my gosh, I'm drunk. Ashman, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're just drawing a blank. Alan Menken and Howard Ashman believed in that, you know, every lead in the in the musical has to have a story of a story of has to have a song of long. So I and I do like good ballad. I do gravitate toward ballads. And it's it's this country I brother it's the city boy who's longing to be out in the country and he kind of fancies himself a cowboy even though he's from brooklyn and it's just really sweet and very well done and it's performed by christian bale and i think christian bale was not was not even that well known then uh he did he did end up doing a voice in Pocahontas, which is, I still think is so cool. Yeah, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, Thomas indeed. And so Disney was, you know, 
hip to him before anybody else was. I still think that Christian Bale is kind of underrated. I don't, you know, he hasn't reached the heights of like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio or some of his other, if not exactly contemporaries, like young leading men, but he's a phenomenal actor and he's so good in this. So it's part of it, part of the reason for choosing it is just to hear Christian Bale sing. And he does have his upper crust British accent in real life. So to hear him do a Brooklyn accent <laughs> is so much fun. The way he says thought. And I have to admit, there's the little um, prologue to the song, which actually is what made me think, oh, this is going to be good. Because the minute I hear, heard him say mudda and fada, <laughs> where he's saying he's he doesn't have a family, he doesn't have parents. So he's dreaming, what is, you know, he's thinking, what is a family? Mudda, fada. And I, I said, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> so I just love the way he says father. <laughs> So I was off and running the minute he said that. So I have multi-layered multi reactions to that song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an, another example of a ballad, right? That, that I want song, which Mencken translated to this context of live action. Um, I, I love the song too. Um, and I particularly enjoy it in the context of the Broadway show. Um, which has, you know, some variations and um, albeit no Christian Bale originally, it was Jeremy Jordan and later Corey Codd and others who played the Jack Kelly character. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful piece of music and that, that recurring theme of longingness for something or somewhere, um, it's, there's, there's such nice sentiments associated with it. Beautifully said. The I want song. Yeah, that's that's exactly the term that Mencken and Ashman used. So you you nailed it. That's exactly what it is. And what's what's a really interesting point, which you, you focused on here, is that here, you know, Alan was working with someone new, right? I mean, he worked a little bit with Tim Rice on um, Aladdin around right around this time, but this was Feldman, and and Feldman has some great lyrics um in in this too but this i think actually perfectly segues to my next pick which is also from newsies go go figure i That's mean great. when we think of disney live action songs i imagine most people would hopefully think of newsies but i didn't go with santa fe i love santa fe um i actually think it might be my favorite newsies song but in the context of the stage production for, that's my association. I saw it within a few months of the show on Broadway. And then many of us now can watch, or all of us can watch the, the filmed version of the musical, um, which is on Disney plus, um, which is great. I chose King of New York, which is just so upbeat. It features great choreography. Um, there's different lyrics um, between the film version and the stage version, as is often the case. Um, but uh, it comes during the film when the Newsies realize that they're in print and it's very exciting. Um, that Feldman fun wordplay, it, it just plays off of the, the time and the language and the vernacular. So one of the great lyrics, 
knobbing with all the muckety mucks, I'm blowing my dough and going deluxe. So, I mean, it really actually feels very Ashman-esque, um, albeit, you know, a, a different individual. Um, there's intricate choreography, the huge cast, they're dancing on tables. One of them is like spinning around, hanging from a ceiling fan, uh, which is really cool. Um, but the music itself is just infectious. It's so exciting. Um, it, like I said, it changed in the in the Broadway version. So in the Broadway version, you had um, uh, Catherine, I think, is the um, the main uh, character opposite Jack Kelly. So she plays a major role in the stage version. In the film version, for which we're talking about today, um, Bill Pullman um, is uh, one of the featured individuals. Um, so you get to hear a bit of him singing. Um, I'm also partial to Max Casella, who I loved on Doogie Howser MD. Right. Um, now, I admit, I am the first to say it. I was born the year Newsies came out. However, I loved watching reruns of Doogie Howser, which was around the same time as, as Newsies. Um, so, um, but it's, a, it's just a great, fun song. It gets you in a good mood. I have it on my Disney playlist of like, pump it up, like get energized for the day. So... Um, yeah, that's that's my newsy selection, so to speak. Well, I love all your reasons for choosing it. And as I was saying and talking about Santa Fe, um, Santa Fe is not the most famous song. I think King of New York is. That's kind of the newsy's theme song, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. So plus he's the day, like he's the day. That's true, the two of them. But I, I somehow think of well, seize the day is more poetic. King of New York, it's kind of, the, the film is about so much about New York sure. that it's that it, that I think I would choose it as a theme song, although you're certainly right about Cease the Day. But at any rate, um, you, you know, you almost have to choose King of New York. It's so it's so great. It's just a great song for all the reasons that you said. Yeah, but and but they're all fun to play like. I'm, I play the piano on the side. I know a lot of others um, listening probably have a musical instrument of choice, but Santa Fe especially is just a great one to to play on the piano because it's just like, especially when in the, this case in the film, just Bale just breaks out and like just releases. It's just so, uh, it's freeing. It, it's no no better word than freeing. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about your next pick. Well. Um... I have to think for a minute now. Are we trying to think of one that perfectly segues from, from Newsies? Because I yeah, think it just happened very naturally the way uh, it's unfolded so far. Well, that's that's kind of a rowdy song, right? So I'll pick a rowdy song as my next one. Again, these are in no particular order, so I didn't necessarily think, you know, oh, you know, I'll just... They're in no particular order, like I yeah, said. Yeah, of course. Self-explanatory. <laughs> but a rowdy song. Well, be, before I tell, before I reveal what my rowdy song is, I have to say that naturally, if I'm gravitating toward the Walt era, the list is going to be heavy with the Sherman Brothers. <laughs> and as we've said in the past, Brett, Actually, if you're talking about great Disney songs, you could choose all Sherman Brothers songs <laughs> and not be wrong. <laughs> so I do have several Sherman Brothers songs. That's why when we did Forgotten Songs, I, I 
um, discounted or uh, uh, what's the word um, eliminated or right. I disqualified the Sherman Brothers because it probably would be all Sherman Brothers song. Well, this time the Sherman Brothers are not disqualified. So there are some. So this is the first one I will mention. And it is from not one of the most well-known of their films. It's from The Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin. And I love The Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin. It's one of my favorite Disney, Disney films. And it does have some Sherman Brothers songs in it, it is, although it is not a musical. And the context is, is that Suzanne Plachette is a Boston so socialite who loses her fortune. Her, her brother, her younger brother, goes off in the gold rush to try to, re to gain a fortune. Their butler, Griffith, uh, pursues him. And then she too goes to California for the gold rush. So she gets a job as a saloon singer. And it's a fun contrast between she's supposed to be this proper Boston heiress. And now she's dancing and singing in this rowdy, you know, saloon full of miners and cowboys. <laughs> but she's portrayed by Suzanne Plachette, so who better? Because of course, Suzanne Plachette has that side to her. Anyhow, it's not, probably most people are thinking, oh, the lights of San Francisco. No, it's the next song she sings, which I think most people forget about. And it's even rowdier than the lights of San Francisco. It's Kiss Me Again, Whoever You Are. <laughs> And that's as close as Walt Disney and the Sherman Brothers were ever going to get <laughs> to something that's risque. But the Sherman Brothers, of course, were very sophisticated songwriters. They, uh, they were dealing with sometimes simple ideas. And, they, and as they themselves said, they were sophisticated enough to know the value of a simple idea. But in their sophistication, their playful sophistication, they were able to just dance around the whole idea that, you know, she's basically saying she's going to be very promiscuous <laughs> with anybody that comes along. And it's just a delight, especially since she's dancing through the hall. She's not up on stage for this one. She's dancing through the hall itself and going up to all the miners who are kind of almost fainting at her beauty and her <laughs> her playfulness and she's basically saying i don't i don't know who just kissed me but kiss me again whoever you are <laughs> and she's like you 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 <laughs> and of course griffith played by roddy mcdowell is just appalled that she has come to this she's having the time of her life <laughs> so i just so aside from the fun idea of the song, it's just a great song. It is so fun and beautifully done and just kind of raises your spirits whenever you hear it. So that's one of my favorite Disney songs. I wish I could comment on this, but I have, I'm not sure if I have seen that film. Um, so it seems like I have another thing for my watch list and even more so, uh, a song to deconstruct given its uh, risque <laughs> themes. <laughs> so um, maybe this would be a perfect compliment to Will the Tale, but perhaps even more so. Um, 
That's fascinating. It's um, very, it's very sly. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, and this was the era when Suzanne Flechette was doing a bunch of work for Disney. Cause I remember, I mean, growing up, I love the ugly docks and, but she's not singing in that. So. Right. And the story that the Shermans have told many times, and then I have retold many times is that when Suzanne Plachette came to film the adventures of Bullwhip Griffin, the Shermans went to meet with her and they said, well, we have, we have a couple wonderful songs for you. And she was like, songs, uh, what are you talking about? I, I'm not a singer. I, I'm not, I can't dance. And Richard Sherman thinking fast said, oh, and she said, I'm an actress and thinking fast. He, he said, yes, you're an actress who can play a singer and a dancer. <laughs> and she said, oh, Oh, okay. And then she was all for it. So, and she does a great job in both her singing and her dancing. Everyone knows she has this wonderful speaking voice. Oh, it's yeah. Unique and beautiful. So, she does a great job uh, singing and selling these songs, which is exactly what the story calls for. So, it's, it's delightful in that sense. And Walt, uh, again, was always trying to expand and do different things. So for him, Suzanne Plachette was a departure from the typical quote unquote Disney heroine. I mean, we might think of someone like um, Nancy Olson in The Absent Mind Professor, and she's a unique character, but maybe a little more typical. But for Walt, Suzanne Plachette was bringing something different to the Disney studio. And they, and they, in real life, they teased each other quite a bit. She loved teasing him and he enjoyed it and teased back. And one thing he said to her was, I, um, what's the word, not credit, but, um, oh, I'm going to blow this now because I can't think of the exact word. He A said- tribute. Huh? Yes, thank you, Brad. Oh, okay. Exactly. You, you nailed it. I attribute the decline in the morals of the Disney studios to the day you, you walked through the door. <laughs> he said that to her. <laughs> it, all, it all went downhill once Suzanne yes. Flechette came in, apparently. Right. And of course, she loved it. She, she just thought that was so funny. So she does bring a very unique... Um, sensibility and an unusual one for that era mm. and um in in her three her three performances of the time which as you said the ugly ducks and bullet griffin and also blackbeard's ghost and she she isn't well at any rate she she just has a different sensibility and he loved that in his live actors that's exactly what he wanted he wanted them to just walk through the door and, and bring something special so she's one of the most unique and then as with any sherman brothers song it's you know in itself it's going to raise the bar so um i just i just love it and cannot hear it often enough <laughs> well i apparently need to hear at least once so that will follow <laughs> our recording uh today um, so i will follow up with you on that so I think I have a great segue and for, for my next pick, uh, which would be my number four, or not fourth highest, but the fourth one I've shared today. And 
also comes from 1967 and also from the Sherman Brothers. So I think you know perhaps the direction I'm going in, and that is The Happiest Millionaire. Many of us recognize as a, a beloved film of that era. Um, and there's so many songs to choose from, right? It's a ridiculously long film, um, and it's packed with a lot of great content. And the one that sticks with me, and I know that there are a bunch of different options here, but I absolutely love Detroit. And uh, so this may be also segue through, you know, you're talking about Santa Fe earlier. So that notion of an aspirational place to live and be, right, the thread line. And so we saw that manifest a generation earlier with Detroit. And mind you, this film is set obviously um, many de- decades earlier than the film. Um, but it is that notion of everything is better in a different place. And John Davidson is singing to Leslie Ann Warren um, and... He, he keeps repeating the, the, the line Detroit many times in a row, and it just it carries and feels exciting. There's a nice montage sequence of them driving off to the city. It's just effusive and lovely. And, um, and I feel like it really illustrates, the, the lyrics at least, very much illustrate what Detroit represents or represented at that time. Golden sparks light up the skies there like a thousand fourth of July's there how I want to stake a claim and roll my sleeves and make my name in Detroit. It's a great song. Um, it's one that I, I love it within the context of the film and, and also outside of it. Sure. Agree. Agree with everything you said. It's, it's great. Wonderfully performed, I think by John Davidson and um, the Shermans cleverly gave Leslie Ann Warren's character of her own uh, portion to sing to show that she was, as she's falling in love with him, she's she becomes part of his dream and shares that dream with him. And the story, the story is trying to say that he he's not just this heir to this vast fortune, and he would he he could just do nothing with the rest of his life. He could just play tennis or whatever, <laughs> just be the idle rich. But no, he has this very, he wants to be, do something creative and something with his hands and something with his mind. So um, it's, it's this attempt to give him some depth beyond sort of just the, you know, the juvenile lead, as they say. And of course it works because it's this wonderful song. And it seems like, you know, there are, there are a number of good songs about places like Oklahoma for it comes immediately to mind from the, from the Broadway stage. <laughs> so it's in that great tradition. And I sure agree with you, it's wonderful. So maybe that would be another list just to discover how many Disney songs are about particular real life places, that would be fascinating because I imagine there are a good handful if we think deep, deep and hard about it. Um, I think you're right. So I'm curious, what is next on your list, Jim? Well, I'll do a nat- natural segue now because okay. I, one of the songs on my list is from The Happiest Millionaires. I think I think we each had to have at least one. We, we couldn't have more than one, but because of the very restrictive 
criteria you established. <laughs> oh, very much so. Not as bad as you, you know, precluding any Sherman Brothers one for forgotten <laughs> songs, but yeah, go for it. Right. <laughs> but also, I'll I'll just jump to this whole idea that this song that I will name from The Happiest Millionaire is not only a favorite song, but it is my all-time favorite Disney song, period. And I'm sure most people can already guess what it is. It's Fortuosity. And on my YouTube channel, in one of my videos, I did do, a, a, I've done several videos about The Happiest Millionaire, but I also did one about favorite songs. I did it with Dean Brinkerhoff and we each named our favorite song, our favorite Disney song. That's it. It is my favorite Disney song of all time. And that's what's interesting about a list like this, because it's live action, it's narrowed down. But I think you almost always have to do that because, of course, everybody's favorite Disney song in reality is going to be When You Wish Upon a Star or Zippity Doodah or something like that. But you kind of have to say, okay, now, aside from those givens, where are we? So aside from those obvious choices, Fortuosity is my favorite. And it's so joyous. I think it reflects Walt's own point of view that, you know, do your best and leave the rest to Fortuosity. So it's not just a reliance on luck in like the Horatio Alger sense where some something's just going to fall into your lap. It requires work and your own attitude and your own go get it, you know, your own go get itness, if that's a word. <laughs> but it's so upbeat, so optimistic, so Irish, which of course was also a Walt Disney trait and favorite, and so wonderfully sung by Tommy Steele. It's just head and shoulders even though even though as you said brett all the songs in the happiest millionaire are great every sherman brothers song is very great and strong this is just in a category like like all the great disney songs this is in a category by itself so portuosity is my choice from the happiest millionaire yeah, I guess it should come as no surprise that this is on your list, considering the the gold standard that it represents and and your uh, experience with Disney music. And what's also nice is that it perfectly plays um, instrumentally on Main Street USA. Um, so, it, you know, in terms of time, place, and context, it, it very much fits there. And one anybody in my life knows that one of my absolute favorite words that I use in common conversation is fortuitous. And this is like a neologism version of fortuitous, fortuosity. Um, it's, you know, good luck and, and chance and things just working out. So um, it has a very playful um, just vibe to it that, again, is very characteristic of the Sherman brothers. So it comes as no surprise that they're the team behind this. Yes, and it fits in that great tr Disney tradition of coined words like bippity-boppity-boo and so forth. They said that they thought of it because in Mary Poppins, Bert, played by Dick Van Dyke, says, fortuitous. It's a fortuitous circumstance. <laughs> Something like that. So they said, oh, that's such a fun word or a fun 
way to say a word that it made them think of it. So um, it's just like the best <laughs> and so much fun and so joyous and just a great, great song. It's just fun to sing and fun to listen to. And it's just great. Yeah, there's a buoyant buoyancy to it that is just uh, infectious and, you know, kind of just instantly puts you in a positive mood. <laughs> well, what what could your next choice be? I can't wait to find out. So not quite in Walt's era, but I'm going to say um, kind of this bridge between, you know, Disney during Walt's era and more contemporary Disney. And one song that comes to mind and is often attributed as one of the best um, live action Disney songs, if if there were formal lists out there. And I know there's a great uh, YouTube video by um, Watch Mojo. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that channel where they rank like top 10. And this is this was on their list because I realized, uh, of course, in creating this, that there is a, a video of like best live action Disney songs. This one, one was on the list and I agree. Candle on the Water, Pete's Dragon, Helen Reddy. Uh, it's a masterpiece. It topped at uh, number 27 on the U.S. Billboard Contempt- Adult Contemporary in 1978. Oscar nominated. This is Al Cash and Joel Hirshhorn, um, which Epcot fans would know as the team behind the Universe of Energy songs, which were not eligible, but are also very uh, infectious. This is just a, a, a stunning torch song where Nora is standing out on the on the uh, lighthouse and, and just kind of, you know, she, she misses Paul, her fiance, who was lost at sea. And it's basically a singular shot. So anybody watching it knows that it just kind of zooms in on Nora and there's a few close-up shots, but it's just, it's so um, enrapturing. You're, you're just totally overcome by emotion because of that notion of longingness, not necessarily for a place, but rather a person, um, an authentic magnetic voice. Um, she holds any note with such effortlessness that was, and we recently lost Helen Reddy, but she was just a brilliant singer. Um, and the lyrics are, are just as stunning as, as she was through and through. This flame inside of me will grow. Keep holding on. You'll make it. Here's my hand, so take it. Um, yeah, it's uh, very sad, but also very, um, you know, uh, stunning. Um, but that's the word that comes to mind for for the song with me stunning oh beautifully put it's a very it's a very hopeful song too she's doesn't she's not losing hope even though it seems hopeless and she in a way is saying that it's hopeless (laughs) but at the same time her flame continues to burn bright even though she's merely a candle on the water (laughs) so i agree what a great great song and a great choice I believe that um, the songwriters were hired just to write that one song for Pete's Dragon, which was not being envisioned as a full-blown musical. But when they wrote that song, the filmmakers thought, well, why don't we just turn this the whole, you know, just to add more songs. They came up with this one. Let's have them come up with more. So the whole Pete's Dragon thing really sprung from that. And I think that's really cool. And I think most people know that that duo wrote <laughs> the, the famous ballads from The Towering Inferno and, uh, and um, 
the Poseidon adventure. <laughs> so intentional or not, the towering inferno, a, can a lit candle, the morning, or I mean, um, the Poseidon adventure, water, <laughs> a candle on the water. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's some wonderful pieces in Pete's Dragon as, as well, and I'm not sure if those will um, present itself on, on your list, but um, it was hard for me because I also absolutely adore Brazzle Dazzle Day. Um, and I think that was under, um, that may have been under my forgotten songs, um, but Can All in the Water is what most people think of when they hear Pete's Dragon. Brazzle Dazzle Day was on your list of forgotten songs. And I was thrilled because it's one, it is another great one that is so in the, in the Disney tradition. So that was a great choice. And this is a great choice as a favorite. So I bet you're interested in finding out what are some of our other selections. Well, that will have to wait until the second part of our conversation in which we will reveal five additional favorites from each of us. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.